Have you ever wondered to yourself if you should leave or quit something? Maybe you want to leave your job, or quit your degree, or do you even want to leave your own home? The thing is, we all leave things, often not knowing if it was the right decision or not. This podcast talks to people who have made the decision to leave, and each of them have their own unique story, both challenges and triumphs. Some left to try different things, others even return to where they were originally left from. My name is Braden Green, and I left university to pursue my radio and podcasting dream. And this is Leavers. On today's episode of the Leavers podcast, I speak to Kieran Moffat. So for people who don't know Kieran, basically we went to radio school together and he's now a podcaster. He has the Moffat Nation. So make sure you keep listening so you learn how to listen you know, to his podcast and how you might even get involved. And look, the intro to this one is pretty simple. It's it's a harrowing story. It's a roller coaster. It's inspiring. It's sad. It's everything. I don't really want to give away too much, to be honest, but it involves family, love, heartbreak, all of those big emotions that we feel, and it all comes down to the decision to leave, and oh, it it's amazing. So hopefully you learn something from it, and I hope you enjoy this podcast because it was rather deep. But anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode, and this is Kieran's story. Thank you for joining me, Kieran. It's a pleasure to have you on the Leavers podcast, mate. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, let's start where we always start, mate. In your case, why did you leave your family? Well, um... <laughs> it's a loaded question, it is I must a, be honest. It is a very... Look, uh, on the face of it, I left uh, because I had an argument with my brother uh, via text message. Uh, but I guess, basically, that's just the straw that broke the camel's back. It was uh, death of a thousand cuts. <laughs> just many, many years. Um, I, I'm i very different to most of my family. Um, it's probably preface by saying my family is a very large blended family um my from you know i've got four sisters and a brother from mother and father's previous marriages and i'm the only one from my mom and dad so that's so that's half brothers half sisters yeah exactly exactly so yeah we've never really had that (laughs) we haven't really had that much in common most of them had you know different upbringings to me whereas i spent most of my time with my dad um so yeah we we just had a lot of different views. Um, it <laughs> at the time the argument we were having was I remember exactly when it was. It was uh, twenty nineteen, and it was the federal election. <laughs> politics. It's always politics. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, look, I won't I won't get into political parties or anything like that. But if I tell you that I've worked in retail for a very long time. Um, and I'm a fairly liberal person, and that my brother is a high up at Commonwealth Bank, you can probably see which directions we're coming from. So let's just be honest here. You're left, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> is that a fair assumption? <laughs> yes, make? look, quite. Um, and uh, look, I can be perfectly honest. I uh, the, the results came in, obviously, uh, the election was won by the Liberal, but by the coalition. And my brother sent me a text message basically going, ha ha, sucked in. Um, and we fought a lot over the years. You know, he's the sort of person who, when talking about the homeless problem in Adelaide, would go, yeah, but why are they homeless? That sort of person. Right, um, <laughs> so, yeah, he he said, ha ha. I was quite angry. Um, I believe I called him a vile fascist extreme swear word. Which, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment and you say horrible things, you know, I own that. Um, he <laughs> he sent back a response that was probably the most hateful thing I've ever read in my life. It, <laughs> it included the phrase, um, you will never be anything more than another bogan from the northern suburbs. Oi. Yeah. <laughs> Oi. And look, I I spent a lot of time drafting, redrafting, getting anxious, you know, writing a response and things like that. And in the end, I just decided that I wasn't, I was going to let him have the last word. I didn't want to respond. I didn't want to have, you know, this battle anymore. Um, You know, this is coming off a period of time where I'd been 
already trying to distance myself from my family a bit because, you know, religious holidays, things like that. The anxiety of going and seeing them, just what they were going to say and, you know, how they would relate to their liberal queer brother um, and son because, you know, my mother is just as bad. Um, and so, yeah, I put it down and I just, I didn't respond and I blocked all of their phone numbers. And it was, it's, it's hard because you're still waiting for the fallout. You're going, oh, I'm going to pay for this. And then you have to go, but no, you're not speaking to him anymore. So it doesn't matter. And, you know, things that you, I suppose just the weight of that word family, as if it's some sort of all encompassing thing that's so important that you have to hold on to it's yeah look it's hard and it's um sorry i'm sort of losing my thread a bit (laughs) you're good mate i mean it's a it's a very serious subject let's let's be honest it's yeah um it's what everyone deals with as well everyone has a family even if you are an orphan for example you still have a family that you've been around maybe or mm-hmm. your family may be you it's completely understandable well yeah exactly um and it's, it's one of those things that i had to come and realize that you know i had a lot of friends that i cared more about than family like i i had to really come to the conclusion that i hate my family well most of them my dad's you know i still talk to my dad but my mother and my siblings, I hate them because just the way they've treated me over the years. I mean, like I have, I have mental health issues. I have anxiety and bipolar and, you know, a lot of my trauma is informed by them. And yeah, having to move forward from that. Um, Look, and especially, they say don't talk about religion or politics with family, right? Mm-hmm. Because they they say, you know, you don't want to have these arguments. It's fair to say that does co- cause a lot of fights and it brings out true people's colours because it's <laughs> like we're passionate about it, you know, and it's an old standing thing, you know. Exactly. And I think that's what it boils down to is when you do have those arguments, you realise that the reason they don't want you to have them is because of the status quo. And when you realise that there is someone who is, you've known for such a long time, who has been, you know, part of this tight-knit circle, when they hold views that directly affect you, disproportionately, that directly... You know, I I once had to sit through my brother talking about how um, retail and hospitality workers didn't deserve penalty rates. And it's like you're talking to someone that directly affects... Yeah, it directly affects you because you're working in retail. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the ideals and morals that we hold are diametrically opposed. And when you get right down to it, that when someone's views, even if they're someone that you know so well, and you know, known for so long, when their views are directly against who you are as a person, you have to go. Why am I still torturing myself? with this like why and you know i've talked to people before about there's a business term sunk cost fallacy so basically you don't want to leave something or you know for example an an investment you don't want to leave an investment because you've put too much time and energy into it even though that's stupid if you're just going to put more time and energy into it it's just going to be the same thing you've got to leave you've got to cut, cut it off and that's what it was like with my family i did not want to invest more time and effort into people who have views that directly disadvantage me and who basically the only thing we've got in common is that we've known each other a long time and we know a lot of the same people. You can say that about people you went to primary school with. So. All right. So quite a bit to unpack here. Yeah. Honestly. You know, we laugh now because, I mean, it's a serious subject and we probably need to give just a mental health a break. (laughs) Yeah, like, 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 this is is a serious subject. We're going to go in some, obviously, some deep holes, obviously, and we got to come out of them. So let's try and break this down a little bit. So let's go back to the very start. It's a text message, right? It's a text message. Can I be devil's advocate for a second and say, Mm -hmm. could it have been just a very 
poorly timed joke, poorly in taste? Could it have been that? Is it a point of where you think it's misread? Or do you, do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to question what your feelings are. Because no, no. even as, as soon as I heard that, I went, whoa. But <laughs> there's a little part of my brain that goes, I do know people like that, though, that would say it as a joke. How did you know... Do you, do you think it was a joke about it? Or did you just know that? That wasn't a joke. That was like full on you know, um, real. Look, I think when it gets down to it, what you what you have to understand with some people is that one person's joke is another person's offence. And look, you know, we know that. With my brother, he was flippant and joking about it largely because it didn't affect him. It was like, it's it's another moment, it's another aspect of frustration when people are... So they like they don't care about something that you do care about because it doesn't matter to them. So yeah, it was partially joking with him, but also my brother very much is the sort of person that that was a punch, like that was a that was a jab because he he could. And uh, how do you, and how do you know that? I guess like just to give to just to give oh, someone okay. like some context, you know what I mean? Well, I suppose just because. Um, Look from from past experience, basically, um, from yep. the you know the relationship I've had with my brother, and you know I tried I tried over the years to have a relationship with my brother with just two two different people, and you know what I think in the end you have to be able to say okay look we have completely differing views we have nothing in common we don't even like each other, you know. So it's it, fair to say you didn't like your brother? No, no, just we me. we used to get into fights all the time, and it was one of those things, and I think I've. I've looked on it when doing when this text message came in that so many times throughout our lives these text messages have come through and they've just escalated and escalated and escalated and escalated until mostly mostly me had to wind them back and be contrite and you know I didn't want to do it anymore I just I could not do it anymore um you hit that point the, the you as you said, it was the last thing. It was the last yeah, straw. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was, yeah, just the, the final straw. And, you know, like, I put up with a lot. You know, these are the sort of jokes that he would make in a joking way, you know, at family gatherings and things like that. I think if you look at it as he's the sort of person who inhabits a world full of people who think that sort of thing is a joke, and he's coming into my world where that really isn't a joke, mm-hmm. but he finds it funny that it isn't a joke. Right. It's that sort of, you know, he lives in a very insular So is it world. fair to say that he saw you, he knows that you're in pain and he's still making fun of that? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. He he made that choice. Um, and, you know, he, he wanted it to be, he wanted it to be a fight. He, I mean, look, he was almost certainly, as I recall, that night was a, um, <laughs> oh God, it was such a loaded night because, of course, it was the night of the election. Um but it was also my sister's engagement, um, which I wasn't at. Um, but he was. Oof. Yeah, More, I know. There's layers, mate. There's layers after layer after layer. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we got to ask that. So why weren't you at your sister's engagement? As I say, like the last few months, like leading up to that, um, I, I just, I'd gotten to the point. I honestly, I put it down to earlier in the year, um, I had my medication changed around by my doctor. And I think that definitely gave me a good, firm ground to start recognising things. Um, and so I'd been, yeah, I, I for the last few months, every occasion where I had to go see my siblings or my mother, I the amount of anxiety that had just clenched me up, I just couldn't do it. So luckily that day we had another, um, me and my wife were invited to a another engagement party. So we went to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I still imagine it would have been hard because, I mean, it's different when there's a friend involved in, because it's your sisters, you know. I mean, admitted maybe half-sister and one yeah. that you didn't well, we get along with. Well, we, it's, it's very hard to describe my family structure because, so, for example, my brother and one of my other sisters didn't grow up together. The, mm. um, I should point out that I am the youngest of all of these and the closest in age to me are nine years older. Right. My so brother, fair age gap. Fair age gap. My brother is 12 years older than me. And this is the one you had the fight with? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so, you know, we didn't really grow up together. So we didn't have, you know, growing up, I saw him, but not that often. Um, but, yeah, he had a very different upbringing. So, but the, 
the twin sisters, um, who are the closer to age, they're nine years older than me. We grew up together. Um, one of them was the one that was getting married. Um, and yeah, look, that, that was harder that, um, I don't know, the relationships just sort of deteriorated as I got more outspoken and more adult, I think. All right. We've gone through brother and sister, mother. Now that is, I <laughs> yeah, mean, look, the, it's, it's one of the it's most. very in- Freudian, isn't it? It's hanging yeah. over the conversation. I mean, well, there's another question I want to ask this, but I, I think we have to address the mother here because it's often seen as one of the most important relationships, obviously. And yeah, so what's what's going on here? Well, my mother, my mother and father split up when I was eight, yep. I believe. Um, I never really had much of a relationship with my mother. Um, you know, for several years of my life, she was uh, she went to the Emirates and worked. Over there. Now, by Emirates, do you mean UAE? Yes, yes, yeah. the UAE. Yeah. Yeah, she lived in uh, in Abu Dhabi. So, how much of your mother did you see? Not much. Um, I, yeah, no, I did not. I lived for, look, the majority of my life, I lived almost exclusively with my dad and ah. no one else. So, it was just me and my dad. Like, my siblings left when they were in their, what, early 20s or something. So, I would have been not very, <laughs> like, what, 10, 11 or something. Um, so, so, that was, my, the, si- that was so, my sisters. Yeah. All right. So, they, so they, there's a fair gap as well, as you were saying. Yeah, there was, so, there was... so, you grew up enough with them to have form a relationship with those sisters? I think so. I definitely, like, they were... They were definitely there during the formative years, whereas my other siblings weren't. Right. Um, but yeah, my mother and I never had a very good um, relationship at all. Um, I'm a lot more like my father, um, which she clearly dislikes. Um, and yeah, she's she's very critical. I like I I know after m- much work with mental health professionals, I know quite a lot of my anxiety comes from the way I was treated by my mother and so I'm, I'm no good at putting myself forward I'm, I have very little confidence which you know embarking on a career in the arts is <laughs> amazing but um, yeah so she has always been the you know I, I tried over many years to you know, please her and make her proud but that was that was never going to happen you wanted um, some praise Oh yeah, I'd love. I would have loved some praise, but all I got was um, criticism and told to be be mm. seen and not heard, and most of the time, not even seen. Um, so it was a very fraught relationship, and I had already started to trying to not see her as much as possible because again, it was one of those things. Going and seeing her would cause me anxiety. Um, I mean, God, she. I I wish I knew what was going through her head because um, I mean, it's. <laughs> Hurt people hurt people. Like, so something clearly happened to her in her early life that has just fed through. And me and my sisters all have different ways of dealing with her problems. Uh, Like, dealing with the stuff she heaps on us. One of my sisters moved to Perth, so she needs to see her once a year. Another one holds up little bits of gossip about the rest of the family, and then when my mother starts having a go at her, throws someone else under the bus. And, you know, I ran away (laughs) (laughs) it's look it is not the look my family is by no means horrible horrible look i i was never physically abused as a child i was never sexually abused as a child just it's different worlds colliding yeah it is just a death of a thousand cuts of just just slow emotional abuse my mother wanted me to join the army for fuck's sake you've met me <laughs> Don't think you would have made it in the army. <laughs> oh God! All right. I mean, okay. The other elephant in the room, personally, that I can see from this, have they ever reached out? Because let's admit, this is we're talking about your brothers and your sisters. Whether you're close or not, you know there is a relationship that has been formed there. Whether it was a close one or not, this is you know the woman that gave birth to you. This is you know and mm. the same sort of bloods and stuff like that. So. Have you ever had of them give you a message, say happy birthday, or have they ever wanted to reconnect? Well, look, I'll be honest. I um, look, I blocked all of their phone numbers. Yeah. I did. I blocked all of their phone numbers. I was, I was angry, and I've never unblocked them. And since then, I've had to, um, you know, I've had to get a new phone number anyway. So I've none of them have it. 
Um, there was a period there where my mother was reaching out to other people to have a to talk to me, but my mother is is a very passive aggressive person, mm-hmm. a very very passive aggressive person. Um, so it didn't it didn't go well. Um, and you know she would contact my she would contact my wife or quite often. Um, she would try and get my nephew to talk to me. Now, I've told you my siblings and I have quite a large age gap. My eldest sister is 15 years older than me. My nephew is five years younger than me. Yeah, he's 27. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he occasionally is told to try and talk to me. Um, and, like, I had a, a one of my mother's uh, brothers died last year. Mm-hmm. And I was sent a text message saying oh there's a funeral would you like to come and as i said i've i've become very pragmatic and look it may your listeners may sound that may think i sound totally heartless but you know this is a man i had met a grand total of hardly any times in my life and every time i had met him he was pretty not great guy um and so the idea of going and spending a day at a funeral for someone that i barely knew and didn't really like with a bunch of people who I did know and did know that I didn't like them at all was quite galling. So, you know, personally, I mean, whoever's listening to this might have a different, but I don't think that's heartless. I think I can understand if someone thought it was heartless, but at the same time, I'm like, if you have no relationship to that person, it kind of makes it a bit pointless going anyway, even if it was like, even if you didn't have a bad relationship with him, if you met him like once or twice. So, yeah. So I guess the next obvious one is, do you ever want, or do you ever think I should say, do you ever think that relationship can be repaired? I mean, it's a hard question to ask, but I guess it's something that we've grown up that family is always strong. The common idea, I guess, is the family is always strong. Nothing can break it and stuff like that. Well, exactly. You know, and I grew up with, you know, it was a sort of English upbringing yeah. that uh, there was a show in the um, 80s and 90s called Bread where everything was about family. Yeah. Everyone cared about family. <laughs> and that was that was all it was about. And that was what my family was like. Um, and it, as if it's this all-conquering thing. Um, there's that little known, uh, you know, that whole blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Apparently the quote is larger. It's the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, basically. The bonds you make are stronger than, you know, just being born into them. Yeah. Which, you know, I very much ascribe to. Because, um, yeah, look, you've if you make the choice... I mean, look, some of the things my family have put me through over the years. Uh, I mean, <laughs> my mum... Right, to give you an idea of my mum, and this is probably a mildly harrowing story... I remember once um, we'd gone somewhere, we came back, um, and I was getting out of the car, but I turned around to get my stuffed toy. My mother sees the back door, back door of the car's open, and hips it shut with my leg sticking out the car door. What the heck? And then she doesn't hear it click. She's not listening to me crying, Mm. but she doesn't hear the car door click. So she goes it again, and she repeatedly repeatedly slams my leg in the car door without thinking about it it wasn't she was in no way malicious mm. but she was just total lack of comprehension it's not even that it's like you're you don't exist in that it, it, exactly and that is largely how i felt like i i'm you know i was always compared to my older siblings and it, yeah i was never going to look i was never i was a great disappointment when i um was kicked out of school um you know and i was never going to go to university it just wasn't going to work and it look it took me such a long time to find my own way in life and i think i definitely found more of it after leaving that because it's just so much collective anxiety over the years i mean my one of my sisters emma she um i i smoked for a very long time Mm -hmm. um she trained her twin toddlers to follow me around when I was smoking, screaming in my face, no smoking. Like, if, if you've ever had two small children scream at you while you're trying to, you know... It's like sirens going off. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. And, you know, even when I was the sort of person who would make the effort to go, you know, out on the street, down the road, and have a cigarette, because I was that sort of person, and just to be followed and badgered, and to think that that sort of thing's okay... You know, it's cumulative things like that. So, um, 
Yes, welcome to my trauma. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say that's a no, you don't. No, I don't think... I don't think they... Look, when it gets right down to it, it's the same as my brother. Like, he made that comment not thinking that anything was wrong. My sister made my niece and nephew do that without thinking anything was wrong. My mother slammed my leg in the car door without thinking anything was wrong. By the way, the ending of that story is my dad came out and screamed, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, what? And I screamed, I said, you shut my leg in the door. And she went, no, I didn't. <laughs> and, my dad, and my dad screamed, yes, you did. So it's, What's clear to see there is a complete lack of empathy. Yes. And is it fair to say because of the lack of empathy, there's no point of even wanting the relationship to ever get better because it just doesn't exist in the first place. It, exactly. It literally doesn't... It honestly doesn't feel like the relationship does not exist. That's exactly how I... And the fact that I had to, you know... St- when I ended that, it's you know it was so hard to end it, as I say, because you've put so much time in, and f- you feel like because family is this big thing that you need to put in the effort, but you can't put in the effort when nothing's going to come of it, when no one else is going to put in the effort themselves. <laughs> so, and look, I, I would charge anyone to, if they... You know, if they feel they're in this sort of situation, uh, you know, any form of abusive family stuff to make the decision that's best for them. Don't, you know, if you, this, there's no way to fix it, there's no way to fix it. It's genuinely hard to even fathom, like, so far, mate. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's really hard. <laughs> I know. You know. And you know why that is? It's because we we automatically assume the word... It family. It automatically, if you did like a word cloud or something like word association, people would say family. You would say love and like. I did not love or like <laughs> any of these people, and they did not love or like me. So it is. It is so hard to grasp. And you know, I see a lot of people who have very good, like my my partner has a very good relationship with her family, and I'm just, I, I it gobsmacks me. It really does. Now, there is a little bit of light. And I want to show you that there is some light because you've told us about your dad and you do have a relationship with your dad. So let's talk about that a bit because obviously there, I'm hopeful of anyway, we're about to find out, is there some love with that? I mean, you still talk to your dad. There must be some love there. I I do. Um, I'm just... I, I I'm wondering how much of this is gonna like you know I wonder whether he's ever gonna listen to it or not I don't think he will so um look I will be honest my dad is definitely the closest person to me do you love your dad I do love my dad but my dad is a very flawed person um and he is also you know a very difficult part of my life but the, I suppose I look I do love my dad and that's the difference really like there are a lot of problems there as there are with the other relationships in my life but I'm willing to work on them with him so you understand that it's not because he's flawed or anything like that you you do understand he's flawed and we can work on is it, is it fair to say that oh yeah clearly like I, I I can see a relationship like a relationship with my dad does work and look it's not perfect but it's um, still there it's still there exactly and uh, i think that's you know it's a good example that there is some huge you know problems but he's a lovely loving caring man and he has always been incredibly supportive um i mean he still has to deal with my family which is a difficult because of course he still loves his kids um and but although yeah again he is much closer to me ideal wise um so it, it is hard for him too but he he finds a way through it whereas i couldn't yeah. i i couldn't see it um so i made that decision and he respected that i was gonna say so what did he think of all this because obviously this affects him as well obviously it's gonna cause a split you know between people people are gonna think this is and whatever i mean what's going through his mind has he ever told you what was his initial thoughts reactions he's a very like, he's a very taciturn sort of person and um look if he ever did have any major problems with the decisions i made he never told me or he hasn't told me would you want him to tell you i i don't know i feel like with my father it's um you know i said with my brother i got into those arguments that mm-hmm. would you know and, you know, some people, if they want to keep the status quo, they it, they avoid those subjects. Yeah. And I think there are certain subjects that I avoid with my father because I don't want to upset the status quo because that is still 
a savable relationship because there's still love there. Okay. There, there is definitely still love there. I, I, I love and adore my father, and he's given me a lot. Um, but yeah, as far as as far as the rest of them go, I, I couldn't see any saving. I guess that's really the the thing about family. Someone you love it doesn't even have to be family. It's how much are you willing to compromise? Exactly, and I mean that's that's. <laughs> That's the thing about all relationships, really, isn't it? Like, how how much are you willing to compromise? And I, I feel, yeah, I I got to a point where I finally realised that I had compromised enough and that I couldn't stop being me, basically. Are you okay with that now? I think I'm much better with it now than I was at the time. At the time, there was so much anxiety around it. So much. Like, I, I kept feeling like there was going to be repercussions. Um, but, of course, there never were. Um, I kept I kept seeing my mother everywhere. Like, out of the corner of my eye, I would see her. I'd be walking through a shopping centre and she would be there. She, she wasn't. I just... I was so terrified. And, you know, I had nightmares for ages. Like, my brain trying to work through this. Um, but... In the end, um, I think it was a it was a really big step that I needed to take, and I am so happy that I did because once you once you remove that, once you take away all that anxiety, because your like your brain is the your brain's like a computer, you only have so much processing power, and if you've got so much of that tied in constantly with anxiety, you just you can't see anything else, and once I removed that, I, you know, I'd never, I'd never experienced such peace. Honestly, I, in my entire life, I had not been as at peace as after that. Well, that probably leads us into the next part of your story. This peace—it's a rebirth, almost. I think it would be fair to say. Talk us through this period and what this led to. Well. The without the time of uh, being anxious about my family, and you know, I had, I had more time to focus on the other aspects of my life. And up until this point, you know, when I'd have uh, attacks of, you know, bouts of depression or mania or something like, because I was saying bipolar, um, you know, I would get very depressed and I would think very negative things about my relationship and I would think, you know, things weren't working and then slowly I'd get better and then I'd put all these problems down to being depressed. You know, it's just a symptom of the depression. With this amount of room to move in my brain, um, I, I was able to realise that I had been for a very, very long time just in a holding pattern in my life. I hadn't moved forward. Um, I hadn't really done anything. I was just scared and reclusive and like a tortoise in a shell. And then I come out of my shell and I, you know, I realized that so much of my life needed to change. And one of those things that needed to change was I, I needed to leave my marriage because it was not... It doesn't, uh, it doesn't get any easier, does no. it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, and, you know, I maintain it is... I, when I met... Um, my wife uh, I fell in love with her it was fantastic and you know I, I loved her all the way through um, but by the time it got to the end I realised that just my life was not where I wanted it to be and you know we'd had lots of conversations over the years and she always used to say that we didn't fight and that was the big problem we never fought because we never actually talked about anything the second anything got real we just stopped um and it was yeah i i I realized that i just i couldn't continue on you know uh, we'd talked and this was at the point where we were talking about kids you know we'd been married for a few years four years or something and you know we were talking about kids and every time kids came up i always got very anxious and i didn't really understand what it was because of course i wanted kids um but i realized you know in leaving that the reason I was anxious was because I didn't think I would get the support and understanding from her about my mental illness when dealing with kids, which is something I definitely needed. Like I was very self-conscious. So yeah, once you have that room in your head, 
you start filling it with other things that you go, oh, okay, this is the stuff. You, this is this is what we've been working on in the background while you've been dealing with this. Here, have a look at this. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> I like the way you put that. <laughs> we've got a few carts around back. We've been saving. <laughs> you want to bring it out of storage? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to unpack. Um, so yeah, and it was. I mean, though that was that was hard. Um, you know, I thought. You know, it's it's very it's one thing to you know not send a text message to make a decision to not react, and like that was a very hard decision to make, to not do something, but to make the decision to actively say to someone, "I can't do this anymore," especially after you said, "I do." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and again, it comes down to. Like the biggest argument you have with yourself in these situations is I've spent, I have, I've, I've did that. I said, I do. I've put so much time and effort into this. This is, you know, if I start now, I'm 30. If I want to start and go and have another relationship, you know, I've been in this relationship since I was 21, like a decade of my life that I've put into this. If I leave, what do I have? Mm. I mean, the answer is you have the rest of your life ahead of you. That's what you've got. Fuck what came before. You've got the rest of your life. And, it's still scary, though. Oh, it's terrifying. And, you know, I I was thrown into a situation that I'd never been in before. Um, you know, I I left and I I had to go and live with my dad again, which yeah. was very confronting. Very, very confronting. It's very confronting, especially if you've lived that long, you know, with your wife at the time. And Yeah, you know, and going back and living in the bedroom that I lived in as a kid, which, you know, I had to clean out because it was full of crap. And, you know, my uh, my dad's habits, which, you know, you forget about when you grow up and become an adult. And then, you you know, you're an adult living with another adult and you go, oh, that's not healthy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's it was hard. And I promised myself six months and I, I did it within six months. Look, I was very fortunate. Um, and I actually felt a lot really bad. I was talking to someone about this. Um, I had really bad COVID guilt because... I actually was okay during the whole thing. I was actually, I actually did quite well yeah. during the whole thing where so many people did so badly. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I did well. I managed to save up and went and got a flat on my own out near Glenelg and, you know, lived this bachelor So is that life. what you mean by like six months? Like you were like just trying to get your life together for six months? Yeah. I, I told my dad, I'm, like, I'm staying here for six months. He wanted me to stay mm -hmm. um, because I think with everything my dad is quite lonely. Yeah. Um but he wanted me to stay. I um even though, even though I call him every other day. Um <laughs> But um yeah, so I I took 6 months living in Gaula. Mm -hmm. Um which is um I I know I'm talking to people who Yeah, be careful here. Living <laughs> living Gaula. Um but I couldn't do more than 6 months of it. Oh god, it was bad. Um <laughs> But uh, <laughs> uh, if only the people who are listening to this could just see me in the technical producer's face, who both live in that town. <laughs> the technical producer has walked out the room <laughs> and flipped the tape. <laughs> but yeah, look, honestly, it was it was a very tumultuous period. Like you know, I, I left I left a marriage, and I will admit, I didn't. I didn't do it in the best way. I don't think there ever is a really good way to do that. But, <sighs> mate, you just got you're giving me so much ammo for questions. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so I don't think there is a better best way to do that. But no, I I waited till she um got home from having been away for the weekend with some friends, and I yeah, I already had a bag packed. We yeah, I know. Cause you know what it was. I knew while I was thinking about this that if I if I didn't do it right away, if I gave her a chance to stop and, you know, make me stay, I would. And I knew that, you know, I would I would bottle out and I would stay and it would just, everything would stay the same. Nothing would change, but I would apologise. And and I think that's sort of what happened with my family as well. I figured if I, if, you know, this thing kept going, escalating, I would have to start winding back and apologising and everything would stay the same. So you've got to make that decisive action. And, you know, I'm sorry I made it in the way I did. But 
it was the only thing that could be done. It was the only way I could do it. The question, I guess, on my mind is, because I know what those feelings you're talking about, serious chats, I mean, that's that's almost in any, any relationship, serious chats are, are scary. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people really do struggle with that. I know I've had my struggles with that. Was there ever a point that you guys came together and like, this is how we're going to work on it? You know, this is how we're going to have more serious chats. Or was it always one party was this way and one party was that way? I think it was always a case of two people with very bad anxiety and a lot of their own traumas not having had the experience of being able to have a proper conversation like that uh, ever uh, you know i know whenever we tried to have a conversation about things that were bothering me she always saw it as an attack and i understand why she did that do you mean like an attack on her or? yeah yeah so can you give us an example so you know if there were like for example if you know i'd we were talking about kids and i say look i'm not entirely sure if i'm you know ready or things like that there are a lot of things about me that you know i don't like my mental health i have bipolar i take me- i take medication that when i take it i am asleep and i'm asleep for 10 hours so you just you're a zombie i i'm just out so oh. so the thing is how is that conducive to having a child that you know needs to get up if it gets up in the night or something like that you know these are the serious problems that i was having about having kids and her response would be oh fine well we just won't then and it's like, uh, no, I want to have this. So these are the conversations. And the, the the thing is, I left because, again, I didn't think there was any saving it. I didn't think that we would be able to have those conversations. So you got to the point where you'd just given up, basically. And I'm not trying to say that in a oh, bad no, way. It's I, like... I think we both very much had sort of, well, I know I had given up. But I think, again one of the the main threads through this is the fact that she didn't see that there was anything wrong with the relationship. Mm. Like when I ended it, it it's like, if you didn't see there was anything wrong with this, then... Then there is definitely an issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that would make sense because I guess if two people had problems, at least they could realise that and work on it. While in this case, there is one party that thinks everything is... Absolutely fine. which, Which sadly does add to that pain, and I can imagine. And I guess that's where I've got to ask a similar question to the family. Did they ever reach out? Did she ever reach out? I mean, talk to me through this period. Did you ever hear from her again? Was Look, it the same thing? Are you seeing her in the corner of your eye? I mean... No, not as much. Um, so she... Look, there was about two weeks there where everything was sort of in flux, where we saw each other a bit. And then, you know, I eventually said, Look, I just can't. I just can't do this anymore at all um which was which was tough I told her that and um her response was to her response was to make me take down all the photo frames and remove all the photos from them hard moment yeah very very rough um and then over the next I think it would have been about two weeks later I said look I'm arranging to come get my stuff and then I get a photo all my stuff is out on the back porch. <laughs> and as I said to my best mate, I'm like, I understand why she did it. I just wish she hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it fair to say the removing of the photos, the, the stuff on the porch, it's something that had to happen? Because the way I'm looking at it, I'm like, maybe this was the only way that yeah, these look, people were was, able to process it. Yeah, it, look, it was definitely catharsis, and I look, I don't begrudge her that. Um, we've seen each other a couple of times since, mm-hmm. um, and it's been fairly genial, um, but there's, it's just a little bit fraught at the edges. Um, we had to see each other because one of our pets, because she get the pets when mm-hmm. I left, um, one of them died, and so I had to go... And, you know, I went around and saw her. But other than that, we've not seen or really spoken to each other. I don't think we've spoken to each other since the beginning of the year. So, so yeah, look, it is it is it is kind of surreal how quickly mm. it can just fade out of your life. And I think that's what scares a lot of people, just how quick it can be. Well, I mean, that's... In the end, that's life. Like, that is... Uh, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Might. <laughs> but look, I you know, I took I took this opportunity like and like when 
COVID and leaving my wife and everything, I I think I basically just <laughs> while my while my mental back was turned, I went and shuffed around and changed my life um, a bit, which was nice. So you know, I I quit smoking, I quit drinking. Um, like There's a fair entirely. bit of positive change there. Oh, still there was winner. so much positive change, you know, and I met so many, um, I met so many new people, and like I made it made new directions in my life. Um, you know, I I went into the course where I met you, which I would not have, I would not have had the confidence to even attempt that so before. For, so for people wondering, me and Kieran, we did the um, introduction to radio school. Yep. Um, course with uh, Sean Craig Murphy of the Australian Radio School that's how we know each other and yep. that's how we how we met and for people that don't know yes it was mentioned a little bit in the intro but you do a lot of voiceover work a yep. lot of you know writing your own stuff you're writing your poetry your, yep. your literature like yeah I yeah look it, I would not have been able to I mean for years I tried to do my like creative stuff and you know you get the occasional burst but I think that was one of the, the things about my marriage that when it came right down to it or you know even just looking at my family I would not be able to read them uh, show them any of my work. poetry any of my work I would not be able to like they wouldn't listen to my podcast it, like none of them would be able to look at it and give me anything back um, I'm very fortunate that at the start of the year I met so yeah, I should I probably should have said yeah, I split with my wife at the beginning of 2020 and you know then covid set in and I was living in Gaula. I met my partner at the beginning of this year and she's hugely supportive. Um she supported me through the radio school course, she supported me like starting my own podcast, she supported me like she listens to everything I write and she gives me honest feedback. And that's the sort of relationship, you know, I've been craving for years and you know, it's you don't know what you're missing until you've actually left mm. and found it <laughs> so talk about just how i know you're talking about how it was nice and everything how you've found this new life you started going to radio school mm. so i guess talk to me about starting your own work like more and now you're doing your own podcast of course i mean yep. feel free to advertise it give it I a think, plug while you're here <laughs> thank you so much um if you would like to listen to uh classic literature and poetry uh recited what i think quite well uh the moffat narration Available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> so speak about that. How did you get around to this idea? Why do you why do you love it so much? I mean, it is you. I'll be honest with you. I can say this face to face. You have a voice for it. You just have that natural voice where it's just like, I want to hear a story from this. I just want to hear a story. I just want to hear a story from this person. I just want to sit down, sit in front of a nice fire, and just hear a story. Look, I um, I, I love storytelling so much. I love story. I, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, um, but you, it's, you, you know what? Like, it's it's knocks to you um, when you don't have people who will support you, which is you know again like family and partner who wouldn't support me. Um, and also when you get like really bad knocks. I remember it was the same fortnight that um, I got knocked back for both. TAFE acting school and Australian Idol. <laughs> the same form. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Australian Idol, a bit different to acting. I didn't know about the singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, I, I sing a bit. Um, I love karaoke. I'm a massive And again... <laughs> Oh, sorry. Just the face that you gave me. I feel really bad for laughing, but I love karaoke. And then he just kind of looked off into the distance like you were there. <laughs> um, see, that that's another thing. Um, like, I, like, my anxiety has been such that I've just, I've not done things because I've just not thought I'm able to do them. And, you know, for so long I avoided karaoke until a friend invited me out in, like, 20... 18 or something and ever since then well before covid we were going like constantly and i i love it i really really love it and i'm not the sort of person who likes getting up in front of people i suppose that's why i enjoy he doing... says in front of the microphone i say in front of the microphone. <laughs> no but you see that's that's the that's the freedom of you can't you can't see me i am like doing this under my own steam and i suppose that's why i like doing my podcast because i i do it under my own steam i sit and i read and like you see my setup here i just sit calmly and read um and it is it is lovely sharing that with people um i always loved reading stuff aloud i um my partner and i um we and you know people think this sounds really weird when we say it 
we read to each other in bed. Um, we just read it's whatever. Cute. Yeah, no, it's look, it is tremendous. I um, yeah, we read through. Um, she was reading me some Sean Tan short stories, and I read through The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> which is just, I'm just I, imagining the barrel scene you know, uh, down the river. <laughs> my one thing about uh, my one thing about Tolkien I have found though um, is that Tolkien is better read inside your head than out loud because the run-on sentences. <laughs> God, by the end of it, I'm going. <laughs> it smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, it's all sorts of stuff as well. And, you know, it's not just, that's why I like, that's why I started this podcast with adult stuff because, you know, adults need to be read to. And like, we're in a golden age of audiobooks and audio and people will tell you that. I love, there's a company in the UK called Big Finish that make Doctor Who and other radio dramas. And, you know, I grew up listening to radio shows, like old, old comedy and old drama, like the goon show, the comedy, oh God, I love that. It's got some of it on record, um, on vinyl. So that's it. Look, it's just I got into this, I think, because it's just a way for me to express myself, and I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position where I am able to do that, and I'm supported to do that. I mean, it, my partner Claire will sit in the armchair while I'm reading and listen to me, you know, record, and she'll give me honest feedback, and that's that's exactly what I need. So yeah. That's good, man. That's that yeah. sounds like a healthy. It is. It is a healthy thing, and I think. Look, it is a very healthy thing that her and I. I, I think it's no. You know, it's okay to say when we have, you know, a problem, we are able to have that. Uh, that adult conversation of, hey, so I didn't like that. Can we talk about that? And we do. We have that honest comfort. You know, I've been. In, I've been incredibly lucky that I just sort of fell into this relationship um uh, you know just met her out of the blue because she really is just exactly the sort of person that i've i've needed considering all the people <laughs> i've had come before well i mean it's been such a serious chat i think we do need to end with just some fun okay I yep, mean. Sure. I, mean, <laughs> I mean it's been Ooh. it's been a roller coaster mate it, it really has um well so is my life to be perfectly honest at this point I mean, there's so much we didn't get into. I mean, we didn't look at in leaving school and stuff like well, how you were forced to leave and all this other stuff, you know, even just the battle of leaving smoking. We got into a little bit, but there's so much more that we can dive in. But I think I think what you've done is this story will... It will probably scare some people. If I'm, if I'm brutally honest, I think it will scare some people. It will inspire, it will make people cry, and it will scare people. And I guess sometimes we have to be scared. But I mean, let's get into some fun ones. You know, I mean, you speak about your love for karaoke. What is what is your favorite karaoke song? Come on. <laughs> um, it is. Um, oh, I'm always, I'm always flip flopping on this, but it's probably um, uh, Elton John. Don't let the sun go down on me. Oh, how did I know? <laughs> I knew it was Elton John. I just couldn't. I'm like, don't go breaking my heart. It's going to be in here, surely. Oh, look, don't look. If you've if you've got a partner and you're at karaoke, you always have to do. Don't go breaking my heart. It's just, <laughs> I um I can't stand. Look, there are so many tropes that come with karaoke. Like, I uh I'm sick of zombie. So sick of zombie. Um. Uh, by the cranberries. I want a ten-year moratorium on Hallelujah, um, <laughs> by Jeff Buckley or Rufus Wainwright, whichever version you choose to do. The Lennon Cohen version just doesn't count anymore. I just hate it. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, there's always someone who sings Mr. Brightside. Oh yeah. And there's always someone who thinks that they're singing Creep well when they're not. <laughs> Favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, see, that's I. To quote my favourite author, Neil Gaiman, um, asking me what my favourite book is, is like asking me which limb I'd least like to lose. Um, but on my favourite authors are Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. I will read them and reread them. The Colour of Magic guy. Colour of Magic, um, yeah, is is not a good book. Um, funnily, I, <laughs> I love no, Terry Pratchett, but Colour of Magic, let me no, tell you. Colour of Magic is a beautiful book, um, and he needed to write it to get where he wanted to where he he deserved to be i mean uh, terry pratchett was such i mean uh, you've uh, 
for listeners at home, I'm sitting next to a bookcase full of Doctor Who merch. Literally, I have got, I think, about 20 Doctor Who figurines staring at me. <laughs> it has taken Handbooks. me a little bit to get used to, and I've got three Daleks staring at me as well yeah. on the posters. And Rob Brydon is actually looking me dead in the eye, which is kind of terrifying. We'll, we'll get to Rob Brydon in a second. Um, but so I, <laughs> I grew There's I, a sentence I never thought of. <laughs> I grew up with... Um, I grew up with Doctor Who um, and, you know, British comedy and things like that, but like mainly Doctor Who. And Terry Pratchett was read to me by my dad. And a lot of those books have probably more adult themes than, you know, for yeah. all ages. So Terry Pratchett and Doctor Who are probably the two biggest influences on who I am as a person. When I found out that Terry Pratchett had died, I was I was upset, but it wasn't until I read his last book that I actually cried out loud. But... They, I mean, not that you really want to blame anyone, but they are the things that give me my moral compass that I love, I adore. And, you know, these are the sort of things I want to share. Okay, now we can touch on Rob Brydon. Like, come on, what's the story here? <laughs> okay. Um, so my picture of Rob Brydon. Um, I went to see Tim Minchin live at the Severton Theatre. Um, and I was there with my um, partner at the time. And she'd gone to the bathroom and I was sort of staying there aimlessly. Um, and there was a, a rack of flyers for new shows. And I saw a flyer for Rob Bra- uh, Rob Brydon's show, I Am Standing Up. And I looked at it and I went, oh, it's, it's funny. Um, and I put it in my pocket and, you know, scrunched it up, put it in my pocket, went to the show. That night, came back from the show and I did what I always do, which is I take all the crap out of my pockets and put them on my bedside table. So there was this scrunched up flyer... <laughs> And it sort of unfurled overnight until it was just Rob Brydon's eyes staring out. (laughs) And just terrifying. Yeah, and it it became a sort of a running gag, just basically to annoy my partner. Um, (laughs) And so I just like unfurled it a bit, and it's just this picture of Rob Brydon staring out. And after about a week, she was just like. You need to get rid of that. <laughs> you need to move it. And I just, I loved it so much. I was just like, it was such a funny thing. And it just sort of happened so organically. I went looking for a picture frame and someone had given me, um, people think because I'm a Doctor Who fan that I like any old Doctor Who trash. And that's that's not true. I'm quite a discerning connoisseur. Um, <laughs> so someone had given me this like Doctor Who TARDIS-shaped picture frame that I hadn't done anything with so I'm like oh, okay so I'll put my Rob Brydon picture in there <laughs> and then it just sort of took up station in um, my you know my office and then eventually you know moved from place to place until I you know I'm in this place new partner new everything new house and so it's it's in my studio and I have in my head I hope like just a little bit that one day in the distant future, that will, would I lie to you will still be on, and that I'll be in the UK and be on it, and my item will be a framed picture of Rob Brydon, and they can ask me where did that come from, and I can tell that story. Um, so that's oh, what I man. hope for. <laughs> that is great and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> well, Kieran, that brings us to the end. <sighs> I mean, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a real story. It is intimidating. It's scary. It's sad. It has all the emotions. We've been on a real roller coaster. And I really appreciate that you've told us that. It takes a lot of courage, as always, to talk about deep topics like that. And I think it's really going to help people. And I think that's the main thing that we really try to get out of this podcast. With. And, you know, we, we're not here to tell people what's right, what's wrong, what you should do, but at least to give them another experience to analyze and see if there's anything that they can take out of it and yeah thank you so much mate uh, thank I really you really appreciate it thank you i hope that i mean this is this is a fantastic podcast and i hope it shows people not to be scared to leave things because it it makes it it, it frees up a lot of room to let you be you basically <laughs> well there we have it for another Leavers podcast episode and that was Kieran's story and just heavy and deep 
What I really love about Kieran is just his honesty there, because, I mean, I don't know if I could even talk about that, but it's just straight up, you know, this is the situation, this is what happened, it's brutal when I'm living with the consequences like that, some are good, some are bad, and I really thank him for that, because not everyone will give you that honesty, you always get honesty when you put a mic in front of people's face, it's really strange, but that's next level honesty, so I thank him for that, I really do, and... I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Levers Podcast. This was a Smashed Gnome production.